0: Our text this afternoon is Luke 2, verses 36 through 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Perhaps you notice there's a footnote after her age is given of 84. and The footnote says, or a widow for 84 years. And we'll deal with that. After the sermon, let's sing together hymn 18, stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's been a full month since the churches in this area have celebrated Christmas. And perhaps you notice that here in this building, in your congregation, there were a lot of family members who had come from different parts of the province even different parts of the country. I certainly noticed, my own congregation, a very celebratory spirit, a time of family and friends being together in this holiday season. It's a joyful time. Also, we focused on the wonderful message. Christmas is not simply having a good time, but focusing on the gospel that God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have life everlasting. It was a great focus on the joy of the gospel and the joy we have as congregation and as family and friends. But you know, in the days following that, the week following that, leading up to New Year's, I did a little bit of thinking. We talked so much about everyone having a good time, a time of celebration, family and friends. But you know, on that Christmas day, December the 25th, There was a family that spent the whole day in emergency. There were people who were ill, people in trouble in their family. There were people alone. Some people were waiting for results, results from medical procedures that would tell them whether or not they had cancer or heart disease. We have our widows. We have our widowers. You know, it's pretty hard to feel happy when you're in emergency all day. Sometimes for a widow and a widower, particularly it's in the Christmas season when everyone else seems to be having a good time together, that they more acutely feel their loneliness. Not everybody's happy. Not everybody's having a good time. And then you wonder, but do we all still have the same joy? And you've been a widow for many years and the... The loneliness seems crushing. Are you still happy? Can you still be joyful? And the answer is, of course. Deep down, you are. And you have to be. In fact, it says in Ecclesiastes, the preacher says in Ecclesiastes 7, It is better to go to a house of mourning than it is to go to a house of feasting. When everyone's having a party and everyone's celebrating, you tend to focus on the party and the good times you're having together, food and drink. But it's when you're hurting, when you're grieving, maybe even attending a funeral, that you begin to think of the deeper things, the more important things, your relationship with God and where your journey is taking you into eternity. And you feel that much more keenly how important it is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So this afternoon, what we're going to look at is that no matter what our situation is in life, no matter what your situation is, both in the good times and in the bad, do you know where your help is? And do you have the absolute assurance that you can say, it is well, it is well with my soul, because I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. We will look at that under this theme Anna prophesies that Jesus Christ is the redemption of Jerusalem. We will look at three questions. Who is Anna? Why was Anna in the temple? And what did Anna prophesy? In the passage immediately before our text, we read about Simeon. The Spirit was upon him. He was a child of the Lord He had been told by the Spirit that he would see the consolation of Israel. And indeed, in the temple, he came to meet his Lord, his Lord Jesus Christ. And he made a prophecy, a prophecy which spoke about how Jesus Christ would grow up to be a Redeemer, to convict many hearts, not only in Israel, but to the ends of the earth. We get the feeling Now, more than a feeling, we know that Simeon is a brother in the Lord. You feel like you know him. You feel like you want to meet him. And you know what? One day we will. We will meet Simeon in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ because that's where he is right now. You feel like you've known Simeon your whole life. And yet we know nothing about him. You don't know who his father was. You don't know what his background was. You don't know what kind of job he had. All we know is this man, Simeon, who met Jesus and believed in him. That's all we know. And then we come to our text and we get loads of information about Anna. We're told that there was also a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, you, you can't tell me that the Holy Spirit didn't do this on purpose. First of all, Simeon, then Anna. Simeon, no information whatsoever. Anna, loads of information. Who her dad was, who her tribe was, how old she was, what her life circumstances were like. All this information because the Holy Spirit wants us to ask the question, who is Anna? You know, what was she all about? What was she doing there? And what is the message for us today? These are relevant questions that when you answer them, you understand really the point that the Holy Spirit is trying to make to us here. First of all, we consider the fact that she was really old. That stands out from our text. The Holy Spirit says she was really old. Well, how old was she? Our text says she was 84 years old. But you notice from the footnote, and you can also read the Greek in this way, that she was a widow for 84 years Now, do a little bit of math. It was not uncommon for a girl in Israel at that time to marry at age 14. She got married at 14, let's say. She was married for seven years, and then her husband died. So 21, she became a widow. She was a widow for another 84 years. That adds up to 105 years old. And that may be exactly what our text is saying to us. Anna was a lady. She was a woman of 80. For a lady of about 105 years. You might say, come on, who gets that old and then still can go to the temple? There are people like that in our world today. If you have good health, you get good genes, you can live to be quite old. Plus, brothers and sisters, if she's only 84, you can call her old. There are people sitting here who are about 84 years old. And I could say to you, you're old. But if I said to you, you are very old, you might not like that. The Holy Spirit has emphasized this woman was extraordinary. She was so old, unbelievable, and a widow all her adult life. That's a hard life. Old, old lady. From the time she was about 21 to the time she was 105, she was a widow. Alone all those days. She could tell you, that in some ways life is no more than a constant death. Life is very lonely. Then we read that she was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now you may think that that's at first glance kind of boring information. But this is dazzling. This is extraordinary. It's like meeting a native stepping out of the jungle from a, a long lost tribe. You imagine yourself, you're in Brazil, you're in the the Amazon rainforest, you know that there used to be a tribe there, but they've been gone for a hundred years. And that outsteps a warrior in full warrior clothing. And you realize it's from a, a long lost tribe. First thing you want to do is phone the National Geographic Society and say, there's still somebody alive from that long lost tribe. It's amazing. Well, that's what Anna was like. You know why? Because she was from the tribe of Asher. and The tribe of Asher hadn't existed for over 700 years. Already back in 722 BC, Tiglath-Pileser III, king of Assyria, came and ravaged the northern ten tribes of Israel, and Asher was one of the northern ten tribes. He destroyed cities. He destroyed people, burning and pillaging all around. And then his son, Shalmaneser V, he finished things off in 722 when he rounded up a lot of the northern ten tribes, took them far, far away, settled them in a foreign land where they had to live forever. And he brought foreigners into the northern part of Israel, made them merry with the remaining people. So that was the end of the northern ten tribes of Israel. Asher, the tribe, hadn't existed for over 700 years. And now we read, Anna was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. That reads like typical Old Testament genealogy. was Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. In other words, against all odds, in the midst of darkness, there was at least one family from the tribe of Asher, which still existed, still believed, clung to the fact that the seed of the woman, the son of David, would one day come to be a savior, savior of the world. It's like a native stepping out of the Amazonian rainforest from a long-lost tribe, out of the heart of darkness, steps this solitary, sweet little old lady, and she could trace her line all the way back through the tribe of Asher, who still was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So we have a remarkable picture of Anna. Her story, extraordinary and difficult. Personally, she had been a widow all her adult life, possibly 84 years. She comes from a family that barely existed against all odds, had continued to believe in the promises of God. In spite of all that, here was a, a daughter of God who lived in the joy of salvation in every day of her life was spent walking with God, knowing God, and serving God. That certainly gives us pause to think of our own lives, brothers and sisters. We have our hardships, widows and widowers, people dealing with diseases, people dealing with children who are in difficult times. And You may have had a time in your life that you felt like standing on the roof of your house and screaming out for everybody to hear, Oh God, where are you? How come you're letting all these things happen in my life? Why aren't you there when I'm hurting? You ever had that? You feel so down and so alone, you feel like God almost has let you down. And we do not deny that we have those moments in our lives. You think of Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. 43 and how the psalmist spoke of his grief and his depression. You know, if you've been a, a widow for many years, that, that is a lonely, lonely life, and there's not one of us who can take away that loneliness no matter how many times you visit. And yet, brothers and sisters, even in our darkest, most forlorn forlorn moment, when tears seem to come are they enough to fill a big bucket? Can we not say deep down, and yet I have the joy and I feel rich in my Lord Jesus Christ? Even like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who couldn't believe that Jesus Christ would notice a wretched sinner like him and how joyful he was to, to know that Jesus Christ loved him, would come to his house and, and break bread with him. Is it not true? that even in our most difficult moment, deepest sadness, deepest frustration, that we can say, it's hard. Life is hard. But this I know. Jesus is my Lord. And if I have that, then I am rich. I'm happy beyond anything that I could describe. I feel like the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. What is more, I consider everything a loss, Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. When Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, then I am the richest man in the world. That's something that Anna has made very clear to us in her life story and circumstances. That brings us to our second point. The question that we might have is, what is Anna doing in the temple? And we read, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, that doesn't mean she was in the temple 24-7. Anna would have to go home to eat, to sleep, to wash, do all the things that everybody else does. But the point is, every day she went to the temple, and she spent many many hours there every day. This is where she wanted to be. We read she was praying and she was fasting. Now in the Old Testament, fasting is something you did to express your sorrow and your humiliation for sin. You fasted because you confessed your sin and wanted God to forgive your sins. Now you would say, why would Anna have to fast so much? She's 105 years old. She is a sweet old lady. Sweet as they come. Her whole life story points to a close personal walk, a relationship with the Lord. And what sin did she have to confess? Well, shall we make a list, brothers and sisters? I'll tell you what Anna did. She committed idolatry. She blasphemed the name of God. She didn't keep the Sabbath day. She murdered. She committed adultery. She gossiped. She coveted. She did all those things. I'm not saying that she went out and literally committed adultery. Or she actually went out and and worshipped a pagan god. But if there's one thing that we have learned from the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, and from the Apostle Paul, and from the Epistle of James, is that even in our thoughts we break the commandments of God. You are a murderer, even if you're irritated with your brother or sister and call them an idiot. You have committed adultery, even if you look at a woman with lust in your heart. And Anna was a sinner, just like everyone else. She would say with Paul, for what I, what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Anna was a sinner inclined by nature to hate God and her neighbor, just like the rest of us. And she broke all God's commandments. And that's why she needed to be in the temple. She wanted to be there. There in the temple, the sacrifices were made. We understand that back in those days, they made so many sacrifices, the blood was running in the gutters of the street. The stench of death was everywhere. A powerful A a, a reality you you could smell and you could see. I am a sinner. But the blood of the covenant washes away my sins. Praise be to God. And you know what? Twelve years later, the boy Jesus would be back in this temple. And he would say to his own parents who did not understand him, Did you not know I needed to be in my father's house? Did you not know I needed to be in my father's business? I want to be here in the temple. I want to see those animals. I want to smell the blood. I want to see the blood pour through the gutters that I may see and experience and accept the calling of God that I go to the cross, that I be the lamb led to the slaughter to die for the sins of my people. And I will do it. I have to and I want to. And Anna there at the temple, already still, you would say, in the, in the Old Testament framework, she was looking forward to her Lord Jesus Christ. She fasted, and she prayed, and she knew that Jesus washed away all her sins. And so in her prayers, she thanked God constantly. Like her father, Phanuel, like her tribe, the people of Asher, She prayed to God day in and day out, confessing her sins and showing her confidence, her faith in the promises of God, knowing that she was a child of God and that God washed away all her sins and looked at her as if she had never sinned and had herself fulfilled all the obedience of the law. Again, brothers and sisters, it makes us think. Do we pray constantly to our God Confessing our sins, pleading for forgiveness, and discussing our whole life with the Lord. You, you would say, well, who could be like Anna? A widow, her whole adult life. She had all the time in the world, nothing more to do but than to be in a temple and to fast and to pray. You take a young mother in our congregation with three little children. She doesn't have all the time in the world to pray. We are so busy. Yes, brothers and sisters, we we are always so busy. And yet even our Lord Jesus Christ, with all His busyness, you find He was always praying. And He would say, I need time out. i got to get away from the people. I sometimes even got to get away from you disciples because I need time. I need hours to pray. Paul says, pray constantly. Maybe some of you may even remember talking with your parents or your grandparents, people who were born over a hundred years ago, and you find that that was a time that people spent a great amount of time praying. They would get up in the morning, a simple man that he was running a butcher shop, but before he, he walked, before he left the house, he would kneel and he would pray. Pray for his wife, pray for his children, pray for the church community. Pray for himself. He needed to do that every day, even before he went to work. Do we do that? It's my my feeling and my observation, and I talk about myself too, that we don't. We are so all fired busy in our modern, fast-paced life that we do not pray an awful lot to our God. And that's strange. Besides being wrong, it's strange. Do you remember when you first started dating? Do you remember your boyfriend? Do you remember your girlfriend? You started dating together? You wanted hours every day to talk together. If you had access to a telephone, you'd get on that telephone until your dad or mom finally kicked you off. You had to talk. You loved each other so much. You you wanted to get to know each other. You wanted to open up to each other. You wanted to become one. It was the most natural thing in the world. And now you look at our God. He is our Father who loves us so much. He gave His Son to die for us. He wants a relationship with us. How in the world can't we seize the opportunity every day to talk to Him and to talk to Him in prayer? If that's one thing that we all should be thinking about, examining ourselves and saying, how is my life in this respect? This is something we need to give thought to and to grow in in our lives, to take that opportunity every day, not just once, but at least once a day, have that beautiful opportunity when you're away from it all, from the rest of your family, from your busyness, television's off, stereo's off, everything's off. And you bow your head, and you begin to pray. And suddenly it's like you're in a, a different dimension. Everything else fades away. You feel that your Lord Jesus Christ is there. You're praying in His name. And He brings you to the throne of God's grace. If the words don't come out quite right, the Holy Spirit is helping you with sighs too deep for words. You stand in the presence of God. You stand before Him face to face. Heaven has fallen silent. Even the angels are quiet. Because a child is speaking to his father. You're there talking to God. And He wants everybody to be quiet because He wants to hear your prayer. And in that powerful, rich moment in the presence of God, you can open your heart, you can open your soul without embarrassment, without hesitation. Tell Him your fears, tell Him your struggles, tell Him your loneliness, tell Him you're depressed, tell Him about your sins. He hears it all, He washes it clean, and He gives you support. He strengthens you so that you may continue to walk humbly with your God, living to His praise and His glory. Prayer is not just something you do. Prayer is an experience, the most rich experience that you can have in life, a sweet, close communion with God that gives Him all the praise and all the glory. That brings us to our final point, and we'll see why Anna is called a prophetess. We read in the last verse that coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we are told that Anna is a prophetess. And a prophetess is not just somebody who all kinds of things pop up in their head and they can tell people all kinds of mysterious, wonderful things. A prophet or a prophetess is, first of all, someone who learns. And Anna, old lady that she is, she has been learning all her life. She already learned from her father, Phanuel, about the promises of her covenant God. She had been studying scripture her whole life, always there in the temple, hearing the promises of God. She could tell you about God's promise of salvation in Jesus Christ in rich, intimate detail from the whole fabric of the Old Testament and the ceremonial system. And now she came to meet her Lord. Old lady came to meet the baby who was Jesus, and she knew this is the one, seed of the woman, son of David, son of the living God, who would grow up, who would go to the cross and pay for all her sins so that it was indeed well with her soul and well with her body for eternity. No doubt she would have felt something like Job did. When Job felt old and near death, he said, This is my consolation. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. How my heart yearns within me, felt Anna. She began to prophesy. She began to prophesy of the redemption of Jerusalem. And we should not sell that short to think, Well, the redemption of Jerusalem, what does that mean? And is this only for Jerusalem? You know, as a prophetess, she understood that Jerusalem at that moment was the center of the world. And the gospel was to go out to all tribes, tongues, and nations. And she also understood that redemption doesn't just mean saying, well, God loves me. Redemption means to buy people with the blood of the Lamb. Redemption means that somebody's got to die. This baby has to die. His blood has to be poured out. The wrath of God has to come upon him so that truly his blood and his obedience washes away all our sins. And she could proclaim that gospel already to her own people. And you think, brothers and sisters, at this time, people of Israel were in dire straits. There hadn't been a prophecy in over 400 years. 400 years of darkness, walking in darkness, the people of God, because there were no more prophecies. And you had the scribes and the Pharisees with their perverted sense of truth and salvation. People didn't just walk in darkness. They were walking with chains on. They were behind prison bars, longing to see their chains broken, longing to see the doors of their prisons smashed apart to know the joy, the real joy of having your sins forgiven and to be adopted as a child of God. And Anna came with that gospel. She says, my Redeemer lives. He's here, people. The love of God is manifested in this child, our Redeemer. Follow Him. Watch Him. Listen to what He says. Look at what He does. He will die for your sins. And you will know that in Him you are free. You are children of God and heirs of life everlasting. That prophecy of Anna still speaks to us today. We also might have our chains and our prisons. Widow, widower may at times feel very alone. Someone seeing their children seriously hurt or maybe wandering away from the Lord feel crushed and feel devastated. People are living with depression. You might not see it. They always get a smile on their face. But in their hearts, there is a deep crushing sadness. Sadness. People having to live with abuse in their lives. These are their chains. These are their prisons. And then there are our sins. The things we have done. The shame that we have committed. Maybe something that we did 40, 50 years ago still haunts us. But then we know that our Lord Jesus Christ has taken all our sins and all our shame and all our hurt upon himself. And when we listen, and we look to him and we believe in Jesus Christ as the great gift of God, God's love to us. We'll know the sweet joy that his blood washes away all our sins. Doesn't matter what you've done or how often you've done it, it can be washed away in the blood of Christ. And in our loneliness and in our concerns, we don't bear it alone. He takes all our anxieties and all our burdens and makes them light it becomes possible to walk through life. Even shouldering, should, having on your shoulder a tremendous burden, it becomes light. And I know what I'm talking about. Experiencing myself in my own family, with my own daughters, it's so crushing. But you begin to realize that life is so short. And if you have broken bones if you have something that's happened to your brains, if you are lonely, if you have a struggle, you know, these things are short. They become light compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus died for my sins. God loves me. And it's just a short journey, just a short journey before I will see my Lord Jesus Christ again. Return for us on the clouds of heaven. Take us to a world where He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We'll never know loneliness. We'll never know hurt. There'll be no broken bones. There will be no abuse. There will be no sin. But the perfection and the joy of a people living with their God to His praise and His glory forever. Amen.